Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, my friends. This is Rick Thomas at Life Over Coffee. We are having conversations for transformation. This is the last of a seven-part series. This is our friendship series, Building Quality Relationships. This is lesson number seven. I want to jump right into it, but first let me share our mission statement here at Life Over Coffee. The reason we exist is to bring hope and help to you and others by creating resources that spark conversations for transformation. If you have been following along in these seven lessons, I trust that there have been many conversations that have led to transformation. If you're just jumping in at any part of these lessons, I would encourage you to go back to lesson number one and begin and work through. There are videos and audios, the ideas to watch the videos, and then you can listen to the audios repeatedly as it brings the video, the visuals, the animations to mind. Uh, the goal here is to submit these things in your psyche, that the gradient process, it works down into your soul over long-term memory as you work through these resources that we have presented here in a visual and audio way. There are also many graphics that are strewn throughout uh, these seven lessons, and I want you to download those as well. Let me jump into lesson number seven, Choosing Relationships Wisely. Again, this is the Friendship Series, Building Quality Relationships. Throughout, we have been using 1 John chapter 4, verse number 12 as the key verse for all seven lessons. The Apostle John said, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. In this last lesson, the big idea is increase the opportunity for godly relationships by choosing friends and spouses and disciples wisely. And so now we are at the end of the road, ready to launch into building relationships. We want to look at this final aspect about picking our friends. For those of you who have followed, all the way through. You remember our relational map. I showed it a couple of times throughout this series. Remember that God has not created all people equally. Not only are people different, but they are at different places in their maturation. And so you want to be careful, especially as you select your reciprocating friends. Those are your most intimate friends that you bring into your inner circle, like Peter, James, and John, because the intent is for you to reciprocate, not your unidirectional friends to where you are just dispensing information. You're serving, you're loving, you're discipling, you're counseling, you're helping, you're being Christ to a multitude of people. But when it comes to your most intimate circle, you want to make sure that you choose your friends wisely. And I also inserted spouses here for those of you who are looking to get married. I trust that this relationship series will be like premarital counseling for you as you think about that person that you're going to hit your wagon to for the rest of your life. Let's take a look at the outline. There are only three points. Point number one, how change happens. Point number two, assessing friends. And then the longer point of this uh, lesson will be point number three. I want to finish with some practical tips. So ever so briefly, let's look at point number one, how change happens. 
And I'll make this point. We cannot do sanctification by ourselves. Earlier in this series, I said that you can do many things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of those. As I talked about imaging God, God is the original. He is the divine, eternal community of Father, Son, and Spirit. He made us in His image. He has given us communicable attributes. One of those attributes is love. God is love, and we have the capacity to to love others, but we cannot do that without others. Therefore, it is not good for Adam to be alone. And so if you want to help others to grow, I trust you do. You want to spur them on in love and good works. Well, that is a reciprocating privilege as well. You want them to spur you on. The person who is outside of community, the person who is isolating from community, is sabotaging their Christian faith. We cannot do sanctification by ourselves. It is absolutely impossible because we cannot honor the two great commandments. You cannot love God with all your soul, heart, mind, and strength and love others more than yourself. Those two things are tied together. Paul would say it another way in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you. And he talks about the mind of Christ who though he was God, he became a man. He counted others as more significant than himself. He esteemed others more than himself. And so we see it acted out in our Savior. He is our example, our model, the person that we want to emulate. And there is a double benefit here. We not only help others in their sanctification, honoring God that way. As I laid out before in the previous lesson with the 30 plus one another's, but all of that turns back on us as one or two or three or four close friends help us to mature in our sanctification. So if you want to change, change happens in the context of community. Number two, isolation will not permit us to love God and others well, as I have said. Number three, we cannot mature without others speaking in to our lives. Therefore, point number four, we must be intentionally intrusive in each other's lives. Now, everybody is not going to uh, get the uh, warm and fuzzies about this uh, for various reasons. Uh, if you followed along, you know that I talked about cynicism, how some people promote or exhibit this false intimacy. They are in the crowd, but they're not in the crowd. It appears to be intimate, but is not intimate. It is a false intimacy born out of hurt that has happened to them, whatever their circumstances may be. There will be other reasons, but there will be people that will not uh, desire to have this kind of intimacy in their relationships, and that's why you want to choose your relationships wisely. For example, if you are pre-married, if you're thinking about marrying someone and, and the person that you are marrying uh, does not want to grow in transparency with you, does not want to uh, grow in, in honesty and vulnerability and weakness and humility, if those things do not characterize that person, then that is not going to change after they get married, after you marry this individual, unless there is a dynamic 
uh, experience of God on their lives where he grants repentance to them. But if they are not like this now, you don't want to marry that person betting that God is going to do some transformative work in their lives. That is not how it works. It is presuming against the grace of God, taking God's grace for granted that he is going to do such and such after I marry this person. And so we want to be very wise with the relationships that we select, whether it is a future spouse that we want to marry, whether it is a friend that we want to bring into our, our intimate circle. These four things that you see listed here are essential, but they're there is more. Uh, point number five, the expectation is there will be conflict. Uh, it, sometimes it, it appears that that some people will leave a relationship because there is conflict. Now, I understand that sometimes you just have to do this, but those things are objectively assessed in the context of community where other people are speaking into it, uh, people who are not part of the situation, and it seems from uh, this community input and diagnosis and assessment that maybe you need to step away from this relationship for whatever those reasons may be. But also, uh, too often people break up, leave relationships because there is conflict in the relationship when a better approach would be biblical, which would be some form process of reconciliation, whether we're leaving a church or uh, leaving some kind of, of friendship because uh, we don't have a proper understanding that uh, all of us are imperfect, and so it is common sense that there would be conflict in that res uh, in that uh, relationship, and so we need a process to work through that. But if we elevate relationships to the point to where they have to be conflict-free, then we're just going to go from conflict to conflict because there is no way around it. And so point number one, how change happens. We cannot do sanctification by ourselves. Isolation will not permit us to love God and others well. We cannot mature without others speaking into our lives. We must be intentionally intrusive into each other's lives. And the expectation is there will be conflict. Point number two is assessing friends. And so as you are selecting or choosing your relationships wisely, you do want to be selective. You do want to have discernment. You do need to know what to look for. In the previous lesson, number six, I talked about a, a character uh, capacity and competency, and I gave you a word cloud, and I talked about the imperfection of people and what it could look like in different people because everybody is different. I want to show you another graphic that communicates the similar ideas, but I have expanded this to uh, five categories. So in addition to character and capacity and competency, there's two others of, of courage and compassion. Now, this is the graphic that we use in our leadership development in our mastermind program. These are the things that we look for uh, in our students to try to assess them because, and again, I'm not talking about being uh, choosing friends in that context, uh, but, but assessing people to understand uh, where their best fit is in ministry. Because in the counseling world, what you don't 
want is a mismatch uh, to where a person, a counselor, a person who's gone through training, is they're not qualified to meet and uh, speak into the life of the counselee, that the counselee's problem is a grade level or a pay level higher than the ability of the counselor. That's what I mean by a mismatch. Well, they can also be mismatches in your relationship where your expectation of the relationship cannot be met because this person either doesn't have the capability of meeting that expectation or they haven't grown into it yet. Therefore, we want to be very discerning about uh, the people that we're bringing into our most intimate circle. And so there are five categories that we look at in sequential order. So there is a linkage here. The first one is character. And so I want to give you a non-exhaustive list of some of the things that we look at as we assess our mastermind students. These are some of the things that I would encourage you to look at as you assess your friend list. Integrity, affection, morality, self-control, Control, faithfulness, honesty, purity. For example, let's say that you're getting ready to marry someone, a friend, and you want to marry them, and they have no self-control. They have low morality. They are, are not living a pure life. Uh, these things should be alarms that should go off in your head about their character and again, these things are not going to change once they cross the line in marriage. Getting married, signing the papers, leaving the altar doesn't make you any different from, from what you were a month earlier. Unless God uh, intervenes in this person's life, they're going to bring all of those things that you see in this list, good or bad, into their marriage. And it will either get progressively worse or it will get progressively better depending on uh, their sincerity about their faith and their desire for transformation or their lack of desire. If you're building a relationship with someone, these are some of the assessments that you want to make. Some people would say, well, you're judging me. Well, judgment is uh, tied to motivation of the heart. And so you can judge a person sinfully because you have a self-righteous attitude and you look down on them and you make uncharitable judgments about them. Well, if that's what we're talking about, and then judgment is sinful, it is evil, it is wrong. But judgment also is a synonym to assessing someone, using discernment and wisdom as you try to understand who this person is. You have to make these judgments. And if the motive of your heart is pure, you're not looking down on them, but you're genuinely trying to understand this person because you're going to make some kind of commitment with this person based on the judgments that you can discern. Even though you hold these judgments or these assessments subjectively, you must do the hard work of assessing the individual. And so you would look at some things like integrity, affection, morality, self-control. For example, if they have no control over their tongue, they gossip, they slander, they criticize other people, well, that's the person based on their character that you would not want to bring into your inner circle. The second in this linkage is capacity. I described it in the last lesson, number six, as five jars on your kitchen counter, and each one is a different height, meaning that each one has a different capacity to a 
small container to a large container. Here are some of the things that would be in that container. Their intellect, for example. You have a, let's say you have a Mensa candidate of 140 IQ or higher. Well, that's going to be a different kind of friend than a person who has an IQ of 80 or 85, for example. Cognition, analysis, understanding, stamina, peripheral discernment. Let me look at uh, stamina. My wife, for example, has a tremendous stamina when it comes to uh, social interaction. When I do social interaction afterwards, I want to take a nap. It doesn't energize me. Our stamina is different. And so understanding the person that you're relating to is absolutely essential. Or again, you're going to place expectations on them that they cannot meet, creating disappointment, leading to some kind of punishment of them because they did not meet your expectations, but yet you did not discern them appropriately, and that could be an issue. A person's discernment, a, a person's ability to, analy uh, to analyze uh, their cognitive ability, all of these things are essential, and you can add to this list. But the point here is that when you choose relationships, you need to do the hard work of understanding these relationships. And then the third category in order is competence. Here are some of the things that you're looking for. Their application of the gospel, their creativity, their practice, their behavior, their ability, their modeling, and their methods. Let's look at creativity here. Are they creative? Are they able to, uh, and this ties, by the way, to capacity, their peripheral vision. And so let's say that you're building a relationship with someone who, who looks at everything through a tube. Uh, they only see things uh, that is right in front of them, but they don't have any peripheral vision. Uh, so they're limited in creativity because they can only think in such a narrow way. That's fine. I'm not saying that that is uh, wrong. It is just how they are. That is their, that is where their competence is. But not understanding that, I mean, a wife could really uh, become sinfully angry at a husband if she, let's say, expects her husband to be like her father who had a tremendous a peripheral vision and had the ability to think outside of the box and problem solve at a high level. Uh, but then the ability of her husband to do that is not so much. And again, I'm not making excuses. I am just saying that people are different and you want to assess as you bring them into your most intimate circle. And then Number four in sequence is courage. Courage looks like this. Their uh, leadership, these are strength things. Their gathering ability, their ability to, to take a hill and to uh, have people follow them. Jesus had gathering ability. People gravitated toward him. You could have people that struggle with fear or fear of man, for example, and they tend to isolate from uh uh, people or isolate from community. Uh, they don't have the courage to, to do that, uh, don't have the humility to do that, don't have the confidence to do that. Perhaps that is something that they could grow into as you think about all of these other factors. And then finally, the last one is compassion. And here's some of the things that you're looking for with a person who has compassion. So you can add to this list, but it gives us an excellent thumbnail sketch of how to discern our mastermind students so that we don't place them in situations that they're not qualified for, or we don't place them in context where they are 
are overqualified, we want to make sure that there aren't any mismatches, that they are in that sweet spot. They're in the place according to how God had made them. And then also you can add another uh, twist to this. You will find the presence of these things in someone, but not the perfection of them, meaning a person has the presence of creativity, but hasn't matured yet into a greater uh, application of creativity. Our son would be that way when he was uh, much younger. He was creative, but in a, a creative way that uh, that uh, destroyed things <laughs> would be one way of, of saying it. He could think out of the box, but uh, because of his uh, immaturity, uh, he would do things like put oil in the gas tank in a lawnmower, very creative, thinking outside of the box. And so he had the presence of creativity, but yet he has not matured in it. I'm happy to say that he does not um, destroy our lawnmowers anymore. And so in a lot of these categories, you're looking for the presence of, but not the perfection. Point number one was about how people change. Point number two is assessing friends. And then finally, point number uh, three, I want to uh, give you some practical tips. But first, if you would like to download this graphic, put your uh, phone uh, camera over this QR code and you can download it and have it uh, in your files and that you could use it. Perhaps a good assignment for you at this point in this lesson is to create your own list or add uh, labels to the list that we have here so that it will help you, provoke you to think as you assess people uh, so that you discern them well enough to place them on your friendship map. Uh, that you don't have these mismatches in your relationship where, for example, a person with who is character has character flaws, that you bring them in too soon to your most intimate circle. And of course, that could lead to a lot of uh, future disappointment and uh, complications and even relational struggles. It may be hard to iron out, but it was because of a, it could be because of a lack of discernment, a lack of assessing a person properly. All right, so let's talk about uh, some practical tips. I want to give you a handful of them in a sequential order. I trust this will benefit you as I wrap up this friendship series, Building Quality Relationships. I want you to think about these things. I want you to stop along the way, make whatever notes that you need to make, and then assess yourself and see what areas you need to grow, what growth points uh, you perceive, and then make a plan of action so that you can grow, so that you can move through these lists of practical tips and build relationally or begin the process of building relationally with at least one other person. Now, remember what I've said a few times throughout this series is that it is impossible and it is unwise to build intimately with a lot of people because it takes a lot of time to do that. And so every person that you add to your most intimate circle this is not an addition thing. It is a division thing. And so if your spouse is your most intimate friend and you add a second person as your most intimate friend uh, in that inner circle, well, then you go on divided time between your spouse and whomever your friend is. And so you want to be 
careful here. I only have one person in my most intimate friend circle, and that is my wife. She receives primary time, primary attention, primary communication, and that is reciprocal. Nobody else is permitted in that most intimate circle because if I did, uh, then uh, I would have to spend a, a quantitatively amount of time with that person, which would take away from building with my wife. And so I'm putting all of my relationship intimate eggs in with my wife and then building relationally and intimately with other people as time and depth permits. And so you want to uh, recognize that when it comes to choosing wisely, as you think about your relationship map, there are degrees, there are gradations, and you want to choose wisely. And I trust that if you're married, that that person is your wife, but if or spouse rather. And if it's not, you do need an intimate friend who uh, is that first human contact who knows you as well as a person can possibly know you. Ideally, it is obvious that it should be your spouse because there's levels of intimacy that you cannot get to with any other person because of the nature of the marriage and the marriage bed. And so let's talk about some practical tips on building relationally. The first one, obviously, is pray. The first thing to do is to make your request known to God. Tell God. Tell him about your desire for a friend. Express to him your need for customized soul care. And so I'm not saying pray because that's what I'm supposed to say because I'm a Christian. I'm talking about a specific kind of prayer. Tell him your need for customized soul care. God, I need an intimate friend who can discern me in some of the ways that I've seen here on the prior slide who has that ability to see things that I might not see about myself. Uh, let him know what he already knows about you. He sees all those things about you. And so ask him to bring a friend into your life who can see things on a, in a human way. It won't be in an omniscient way, but it will be in a human way. They will be able to see some of these things as well. And they can bring customized soul care to you. And so the first thing to do is pray. The second thing, if you pray, then expect. I mean, petition the Lord every day. And throughout your day, ask God to bring people who are willing to love you well. And then add to that prayer a God-centered expectation for Him to give you this heart desire. If you pray, you want to expect. And so have a specific prayer for God to bring someone who can do reciprocal, customizable soul care in your life. And then expect God to fulfill that. Now what you want to do is you want to start looking if you regularly pray this way and expect God to come through for you, then look up. Start looking for your new friends. You will find them. God will put you before people with similar burdens and passions. Because what will happen if you pray about this, you're going to start talking about it. And you'll start weeding out people. Uh, some people will lean into that. And then you will be assessing them as they lean into it. There will be others that will be obvious. It's like, no, I'm not interested in that for whatever reason. And that's fine. It makes no difference as long as you know uh, what they want, and if they're leaning in or leaning out. So look up, you pray, you expect, and uh, 
uh, you begin to talk and share these things. Uh, you can talk about this series that you just went through. Uh, ask them to go through it. You can go through it together. Uh, but God will put you before people with similar burdens and passions. That's point number three, look. Number four, agree. Let the person know what you're looking for and how you want to do life together. See if the individual has a similar passion as you. Many Christians in our churches seek this kind of biblical friendship, but are afraid to take the initiative. Now, I am not saying that as soon as you meet someone, said, hey, you know, I want to go deep with you. Let's start right now. Here's all my sins. No, let's don't be dumb. Let's don't be naive. But you build that relational bridge. You have, it's incrementally, you incrementally build that relational bridge. You, you're filling things out, but ultimately you're working toward an agreement. Uh, and if you sense that person is tracking along with you, then keep on tracking until uh, you're not tracking together. Or you may continue to track together and find that this could be your uh, best friend forever. And so as you meet these individuals, just uh, drip out what you're looking for. See if there are similar passions. I think that many of us would be surprised at how many people in our churches are looking for this kind of biblical friendship, but nobody is willing to take this kind of initiative that I'm talking about here. Number five, discern. You will quickly know if you have an authentic person on the line Listen to how they talk about themselves. Are they willing to talk less about the weather or their favorite sports team or more about God? And so listen to their wordsmithing. Uh, assess the word cloud that floats above their heads after they get through talking. What do they like to talk about? Uh, what is their favorite subject? And uh, you can begin to discern a depth or a lack of depth about God. So that's part of that incrementalization as you're building that relational bridge. As you are agreeing, as you're tracking with them, you're also discerning along the way. And you may find out that this person is, well, it's not exactly what you're looking for. It might not be the best fit. It doesn't mean that they can't be your friend. It just means that they will be on a different spot on your relationship map. Number six is mutual. Do they have a genuine interest in you? You're not looking for a counselee whose only interest is sharing their problems. You want a friend, a partner, someone willing to come alongside you. I have made the distinction between uh, unidirectional friends that really just want something from you and then reciprocating friends. And it's not a person who just wants to be a reciprocating friend, but a person who has a reciprocating game. They have the ability to speak into your life. There are people who might desire it, but they're not able to speak into your life or immaturity or whatever's going, uh, whatever's happening them to them that uh, keeps them from being at that place to where they can comparably speak into your life. And so again, it needs to be mutual, not exactly a perfect fit, but at least in proximity, uh, two people who are interested in each other. Again, you're not looking for a counselee, someone who really just uh, wants to share their problems. As a lady told me many years ago, she said, I am her rent-a-friend. And so whenever she has a problem, uh, she calls me and we meet and work through whatever issues there are. She's using me in a unidirectional way. I have no problem with that at all. Not not at all. I have, I have zero problem. 
but I know what the relationship is. I know the nature of the relationship. It's a unidirectional relationship. It's not a mutual one of iron sharpening iron. Maybe a key verse that will help um, add some brushstrokes on the canvas about this would be Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And so this is someone who's faithful to you. They're willing to wound you. This gets back to the courage part uh, on that graphic I showed you earlier. They have courage. Of course, also compassion was on that graphic as well. A wounding friend with no compassion uh, is very painful. But a wounding friend with compassion, well, that is a good friend. Number seven, create, set up several contexts for care. Start a small group if you have found enough of these types of friends. If it is only one, meet for coffee, do life over coffee, begin building a relationship. Start with small talk, going back to that incrementalization again, building that relational bridge. Your small talk will lead to in-depth conversations. As you track along, you may find out that it doesn't lead to in-depth conversations, and that is fantastic. You know what you have, and you know what you have to do, and that is just okay. Number eight, share. Lead by letting others into the secret places of your life incrementally. Be appropriate. A fool will reveal his entire mind. And so use self-control. Use discretion. But lead them with your humble and transparent example. If you want them to be open, if you want them to be honest, if you want them to be transparent, then demonstrate to them how to be that kind of friend by yourself disclosure. Point number eight, share. Lead by your example. Number nine, care. Please give them your care as they open up to you. Let your friends experience your attention, your wisdom. Let your friends experience your friendship. You do for them what you want your friends to do for you. Care for them. And again, if it's a reciprocating relationship, which you will know, they will do similarly to you. And then number 10, persevere. These relationships should be long-term, sincere, and intentional. Be warned, you will sin against each other. You will forgive each other as we have walked through active repentance I talked about. After you offend, after you forgive each other, you'll begin forging an excellent relationship because iron sharpens iron. Good relationships have to have a fight or two. Good relationships have to have conflict because we're fallen people in a fallen world. Good relationships move beyond the conflict because of active repentance, and that really solidifies the relationship. Once you have gone to the mat with each other and you've seen the worst of each other and come up loving each other, you'll persevere. Point number 10 is persevere. The big idea in lesson number seven, increase the opportunity for godly relationships by choosing friends, spouses, and disciples wisely. Before we wrap up here, uh, please pray for our ministry. Follow us on any of our social media platforms where you find us. Uh, would you do evangelistic work for us? Would you share our content on these platforms, please? And then for the a few of you who are able to support or donate, uh, we really do need your help. I mean, we do. And uh, I, I, I 
struggle saying this sometimes, but it's it's just it's dollars and cents, and uh, our ministry is expensive, and our ministry model is to give it away, and so we're really dependent on people to support our ministry, and so if you're able, we do need your support. If you would like uh, some in-depth training, I couldn't recommend our mastermind program any more highly than just check it out. Uh, put your camera over this QR code. It will take you right to where you can learn all about our mastermind training, and uh, it is really superior wor- world-class training that uh, is transformative, as many people have testified. This is lesson number seven, Choosing Relationships Wisely, the Friendship Series, Building Quality Relationships. There are seven lessons altogether. There's seven videos, seven audios. There's a whole lot of graphics. And if you haven't listened, if you haven't watched all seven, I would encourage you to do so. Stop along the way, do all the appropriate homework assignments, and then as the Spirit of God uh, eliminates you to to go above and beyond in meeting with someone, talking with someone, reconciling with an individual. I would encourage you to do that, and then also share these things with others because the teacher will learn more than the student. And so, if you can articulate these ideas, the more that you articulate, the gradient process will be in effect, and it will settle down into your psyche, into your long-term memory, and begin to have a transformative effect. The Friendship Series, Building Quality Relationships. I am Rick Thomas. I appreciate you uh, listening. And if we can serve you, please uh, come over to lifeovercoffee.com. Check out thousands of resources. Use them, and I trust that you'll have many conversations for transformation. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.